Hey bitches, this is Morgan. Hey bitches, this is Sierra. And, and this, this is, is Bitches and Murders. Two in a row! We're doing it! Woo! <laughs> oh, right, we don't man. have any housekeeping, so just jump in this, Morgan. Oh, this Let's go ham. This one's near and dear to my heart, um, oh, and you'll no. find out really soon. Um, so this is Harold Shipman. Oh, um, no. He's English. So for once, I can say all of the names. <laughs> <laughs> so look at me go. <laughs> he was born in Nottingham, England. Okay. Guess when? Guess when? When? He was born on my birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> We're birthday twins. January okay. 14th of 1946. Hopefully that's all you have in common. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on a limb and say yes. <laughs> okay. And first of all, before we get into this episode, I just want to say that I have slaved <laughs> over this episode. <laughs> I read a 165 page clinical audit of oh. 24 years of Harold Shipman's career. Oh shit. And okay, before you went ham. Before we get into it, <laughs> I'm just gonna read you this little little quote. Okay. Little, I'm little, ready. Little quote. Hit me with it. It's really hard to pick up an iPad. Okay. Hit me with your best so this is from Professor Liam Donaldson, who was the okay. chief medical officer that kind of like oversaw this whole thing. And this is just the end of his little like excerpt that he put in the beginning of the clinical audit, but I just it got okay. me a little bit. <laughs> it says Everything points to the fact that a doctor with the sinister and macabre motivation of Harold Shipman is a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. That does not mean we should dismiss the need for action beyond the investigation of the events themselves. There is much more to learn from this tragedy. The first duty of a health service is to protect patients from harm. This report is a vital step in that process. I just, it just got I... me a little bit. <laughs> so if that's a little hint of what's to come. Why do you do this to me? I just enjoy it so much. I know. I Okay, with the exception of, like, the last one and the next one, I just present you with, like, general spooks. And you're just like, how about I just fuck your whole day up? I mean, that's why I'm here. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's I'm go. the murders half of bitches and murders. Didn't you know that? <laughs> you're the bitch. I'm the murderers. <laughs> and together... Bitches and murders. Roll credits. <laughs> roll, roll credits. We're, we're done. Okay. Hit me okay. with it. Born right. on my birthday, yep. January 14th, 1946, Nottingham, England. Okay. On the Bestwood Council Estate, whatever the fuck that means. Okay. <laughs> Not the um, worst wood. The best wood. The best wood. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it kind of sounded like they were made. sort of wealthy, maybe, sort but of wealthy? maybe... Um, he was the second of three children of Herod, Her, Herod, Harold <laughs> Frederick Shipman, who okay. was a lorry driver. So like a taxi driver. Okay. Um, but yeah, a taxi driver. And Vera Britton, both oh. of which were extremely devout Methodists. So it was like a very religious household. Okay. Um, he was a highly skilled rugby player and a distance runner. Okay. Um, so very athletic. Right. So this is all too happy. And I'm just waiting for you to give me the, like... Oh, it's happy for quite a while, actually. Oh. So we have some, you know, good feels. Good and we feels. never have good feels. So, you know, here we go. Oh, no. Um, he was particularly close to his mother, um, okay. who passed away when he was 17. She died of lung cancer. And that was kind of one of the things um, that kind of, like, inspired him to be a doctor, I think, okay. is kind of what I've gotten. Is he was kind of, like, he just kind of helplessly watched his mother pass away at a young age. And, like, okay. he wanted to be able to help others 
Sort of. Um, <laughs> so, sort of. So her death ended up very similar to his signature later on. Okay. We'll get to that. We're not going to worry about that right now. Oh, okay. Okay, so November 5th of 1996, also the year I was born. <laughs> Weird. Um, he married Primrose May Ox to be at 19. Formal petition to change my name to that. I know. I love the name Primrose. I don't like the name Ox to be, though. <laughs> Ox to be. Um, so he was 19 and she was 17. Okay. It's also weird for me to think about the fact that he was only 19 when I was born. So, yeah. like, we're not that far like apart. That. And we also were born on the same day. Birthday twins. Um, <laughs> and they had four children together. Oh, okay. I don't have their names, but there's four of them. This is so happy. When yeah. does it go bad? Oh, just wait. Um, so they studied medicine at the Leeds School of Medicine. He graduated in 1970. Okay. Um, he started working at the Pontefract General Infirmary in oh. Yorkshire. Okay. In 1974, he took his first position to be a general practitioner at the Abraham Ormerod Medical Center in West Yorkshire. I'm so proud of you for making it through that. Yeah, I'm, honestly, I'm also, I didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> I just want to say that I'm so nervous and I'm so on edge right now because this has been so happy. Like, usually when we talk about serial killers, it's like their childhood is fucked. They were abused. They, they you know, had the S&M thing. I'm only going to give you like, one hint. Do you want just, just one hint of what it's comes? so happy. No. Okay. I want to be shocked like okay. everybody else. No, I just, I'm, I just want you to know that I'm so nervous and on edge right now because this is too happy. Okay. So uh, <laughs> it gets a, a little less happy, but not in the way you're thinking. Okay. Um, so 1975, um, he was caught forging prescriptions for Demerol uh, for his own use. And Demerol, for those you don't know, is like a, it's just like a painkiller. It's like yeah. an opiate. It's like a yeah. morphine, Dilaudid. It's like that kind of, of that thing. Family. Um, he was fined 600 pounds. So <laughs> like around like eleven hundred dollars for us now okay which is i mean that's not shit for a doctor who is writing his own prescriptions for his own drug use and then they were just like okay just go to like rehab (laughs) and like you'll be fine just pay us like a thousand bucks and go to rehab and like you're fine you're fine okay uh so um... (laughs) he went to rehab in york um 1977 Mm -hmm. he became a general practitioner at donnybrook medical center Okay. Near Manchester. And then he worked there just through, like, the 80s. Okay. Um, Then he began his own surgery at 21 Market Street in 1993. Okay. And he was a respected member of the community. I'm so nervous. (laughs) I'm so uncomfortable. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, Also, fun fact. In 1983, there was a documentary called World in Action that talked about mental illness and, like, how it should be treated in the community. Okay. And he was actually a part of that. Um, they like interviewed him and stuff and he was on it. And then instead of like taking it off the shelves after his conviction, they rebroadcast it. You're just making me to so make a lot of money. Uncomfortable. Like th- I feel like there's this giant ball and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's just gonna drop. Yeah, you're not ready. <laughs> you're I'm really not ready. Not ready. I'm so <laughs> okay let's go so like i said his mother's death actually ended up like incredibly similar to like his kills later on okay um so at like the end of her disease like obviously lung cancer is very painful Mm -hmm. um and so they were like giving her high doses of morphine yeah so like you would see like the morphine administered okay see her pain like subside 
Um, oh no, I think I see where this is going. Yeah, and just kind of you know that like cycle of like her getting the morph, her being in pain, getting the morphine, pain going away, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until she passed. Mm-hmm. So his mother was actually like incredibly domineering. Okay. Um. So she wasn't like a very like nice person, mm-hmm. and she instilled like a sense of superiority in him, leaving him with like no friends because oh. like she was just like. I don't know. She kind of gave him like a sense of like our family is the best family, even though his dad was like a fucking taxi driver. Like it doesn't really sound like they were too much of guys. Anything. Let your kids have friends, please. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Let your kids have friends. I'm begging you. Let them have friends. (laughs) It's Um, mission essential. So his victims were pretty much exclusively elderly women. So he was essentially just killing his mother Mm -hmm. over. Oh yeah. No, I already see where this is going. And over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, all of his victims were found fully clothed and usually sitting up. So uh, he was not simulating sex with his mother. Let's just clear that up. There was okay. no sexual component to these crimes. I mean, that's a first for, for our once. podcast. Yeah, for <laughs> once. No one, no one's having sex. No one is. For everyone's penis no works no properly. Person. There's just. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, okay. We just have mommy problems. That's all. Why do okay? So when girls have daddy problems, it's always like oh, it's always like cute and they're sexy. like a hoe. <laughs> like guys have mommy problems. It's like oh, they they're slaughtered a hundred people. <laughs> guys, go to therapy. <laughs> I promise you, it will be okay if you just go, go to, to therapy. therapy. Stop slaughtering people that you think are your mother. It's weird. Stop it. I hate it. Oh, I shouldn't be laughing. Okay. <laughs> um so on top of this um so okay so back in like this time period like there was still like in the city he was in it was a lot of like he had his own like general practice but he would do a lot of home visits as well especially for people who were like elderly and like would have a hard time traveling wow what a nice guy right right yeah what a a nice guy um so um he would be reluctant to even try and revive them if they coded Oh, seriously? Yeah. Like, if they coded in front of him, he'd be like, oh, man, looks like it's the end. I mean. Wow. Who could who could do anything? I, I mean, okay. I was a vet tech, so maybe it's a little different in human medicine. But uh, if something codes, resuscitate it. Yeah, he would be like, oh, oh no, they were suffering. It's just better that they die. Oh, my God. Um, and so he would also... Pretend to call 911 if there was relatives around. So he'd be like, oh, okay, 911. Like, you know, we have someone coding. Like, we need you here immediately, immediately. No one on the phone at all. Like, or he would, like, go in the other room and pretend to call. And then once they had died because he did nothing to save them and didn't call emergency services, he would pretend call emergency services back and be like, okay, like, you know, we don't need the ambulance. Like, they've passed away. Like, we're just going to call the funeral home. What the ever-living fuck? Yeah, so his first murder was probably in 1971. Okay. So one of his patients, uh, she was only 67, and her name was Margaret Thompson. Um, She had had a stroke. So, Mm -hmm. like, she was, like, not in the greatest of health. But she was recovering, and she was making, like, pretty good recovery. Okay. And then she just mysteriously coded and... Guess who didn't call emergency services? Mm, our doctor friend? Yes. Yeah, so uh, 80% of his victims were women. Okay. And 
the youngest victim, 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 <laughs> uh, was actually a man. His name was Peter oh. Lewis, and he was forty-one. But he was like one of like the very like, few men. That's random. I think it was just kind of like a. I think that one, if I remember right, like he was already coding. Oh, so, so it, was it was kind of just, just like eh, I'm just like, gonna well, let him die. Let him. Yeah, and I think like okay to give him like a very tiny amount of credit here no. that he does not deserve. Nope. I think he really had it in his head because, like, his mother died at such a young age that, like, he was doing these people a favor Mm-mm. because, like, he genuinely thought that it was better for them to not be suffering from these illnesses because all oh. of them, even if they were, like, kind of healthy, all of them had had, like, some sort of, like, a heart attack, a stroke. Like, there was a reason he was visiting them. <sighs> and I think he kind of, like, had this mindset that, like, he saw his mother pass away and like saw the doctors yeah. help her like ease her pain and like really ease her out like out of her suffering. And I think he had this kind of idea that he like needed to be the savior of these people. And yeah. he was like going to be the one to like end their suffering. I mean, ugh, I have so many mixed emotions about that because like you and I have had this conversation before of like if something catastrophic happens to me and I can't live without 30,000 machines being hooked up to me, fucking let me go. Like I don't want that for my life. But that's the difference is that I have decided that I don't want that for my life. Like you don't decide that for somebody else. Right now. And I feel that too, because like in my advanced directives or like when I write them, like I plan to, um, like it's this, I'm, I'm the same way. Like if I'm going to just like, I'm brain dead or like, I'm just hooked up to machines. Like I can't breathe for myself or something. Like I'm done. Like I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, Again, that's a decision we've made for ourselves. That's not a doctor being like, well, I'm not going to do anything. Right. It's the same thing with like organ donation. Like I chose to be an organ donor and I chose to say, yes, like you can take my organs. I want to help people. Yep. But it's not the same if a doctor's just like, all right, going to take all your organs now. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite the same. It's that whole like bodily autonomy concept that uh, we're struggling with right now. Oh, wait till you know how much we struggle. We're not circling around. Okay, let's go. Let's move. I'm not ready. Okay, so we're kind of going to, like, skip ahead and then go back. I know you're a fan of that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So March of 1988, Mm -hmm. um, Linda Reynolds of the Donnybrook Surgery. So he, hold on, let me go back for a second. I think he was still working at Donnybrook at this time. Yeah, because he didn't start his own practice till 1993. So this is when he was working at the Donnybrook Medical Center. Um, Linda Reynolds also worked there, but she was prompted by Deborah Massey, who worked at a funeral parlor. Okay. So Deborah was like, we've had a lot of patients come in of shipments, like (laughs) a lot. So, like, she told the coroner mm-hmm. for the South Manchester District, his name is John Pollard, and then Pollard told Linda Reynolds of Donner, okay. Donnybrook, because she was kind of, like, his superior, if I remember right. Okay. So, okay. Worked at the coroner, <laughs> supervisor. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, oh, they were, like, really concerned because he had, like, a high level of cremation. Because, like, on top of all of this, he would always be like, oh, they should be cremated. Like, they don't need an autopsy. Um, Like, they're just sick. Uh, They should just be cremated. And he actually made that decision. We'll kind of get back to that. But he made that decision for a lot of people. Okay. I Um, mean. Yeah, so they actually brought it to the police. Mm, Yep. I'm uncomfortable. And, like, every other fucking case we've ever had, 
police can't do shit. I'm sure police are wonderful. <laughs> they do amazing things. But there are some but police man, departments oh. looking at you, LAPD, that uh, aren't doing super great when it comes to serial killers. 70s through like the early 90s was just a lawless wasteland. Seriously, though. Like actually lawless. Like I what feel like that? there was so much police trying so hard, but like somehow... I mean, I guess a lot of it was, like, they didn't have, like, the DNA and, like, all the stuff they have now, yeah. which is super helpful. But, but even man. from, like, an observatory standpoint, like, look at Bundy. Bundy escaped not once, but twice. Like, what were y'all doing with your lives? He just leaped out a window. Yeah, he leaped he out just, a window, and then he crawled up a air, uh, vent. air vent. Yeah, like, guys, <laughs> watch your prisoner. <laughs> also, like, wasn't it Bundy? I think it was Bundy who maybe it was Dahmer. I don't know. But he had like a body in the backseat of his car and he got pulled over by police for like speeding or having like a headlight out or something. And he managed to talk himself out of having a, a garbage bag full of a woman's body in his back seat. A woman or a man. I can't remember. That, that might've been Dahmer. I think it was Dahmer, but he had like, a body in the backseat in garbage bags. And he was just like, Oh yeah, man, dude, yeah. like that's just my garbage. I was just taking to the dump and they're like, it's 2am. <laughs> and he was like, Man, you know, that garbage, it just really stunk. Just, I really had to take really it. It's bad, and I worked the night shift. And they were like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, not always uh, not always the best. Please get your shit together. Uh, okay, so like I said, they brought it to the police, um, who couldn't find enough evidence to, like, do anything. Okay. And, like, they were really blamed later. I'm pretty sure they were actually sued later, because people were like, that Gee, was I shitty. I why. <laughs> What the hell? Oh, my God. Um, so between April 17th of 1988, when the police gave up, and his arrest, okay. he killed... Um, this says three more people. That's not true. It was more like 200 more people, but go oh. off. Oh, I don't know why flex. I wrote three. Well, okay, so... I don't know. We're not going to get into that yet. No. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll come back to it. Okay, so um, that was April. Okay. Between... April and his arrest, he killed three more people that he was convicted for. Okay. So, August of 1988, taxi driver. Taxi driver. Oh, his. John Shaw. Okay. Called police, accusing Shipman of murdering 21 of his patients. (laughs) I have looked extensively. I have read 165 pages of a clinical audit, and I have not found why the hell... Why the hell? Why did John Shaw know this? I don't know the connection. I don't know how he knew he murdered 21 of the patients. Maybe he heard Shipman talking in the back of his taxi. I like I, I cannot find any connection. Like, I don't know how he knew this. Oh, that's weird. To like report it to police. It's like it's not anywhere. Huh. If you find it, let me know. Because <laughs> I can't find it. Yeah. Seriously. Somebody please look into that while we do this. Yeah. So, OK. So his last victim uh-huh. Um, Kathleen Grundy was found dead in her home on June 24th of 1998. Okay. Two years after my... Um, anyways. <laughs> so Shipman was the last to see her alive and he signed her death certificate, which he put down her cause of death as old age. Okay. So her daughter was a lawyer. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he really fucked up with this one. Oh, no. Um, and there's theories about this, but we'll get into that in a second. Okay. So her daughter, who was a lawyer, got concerned because mm-hmm. she was informed that a will had been made by her mother. Okay. In this will, 
all of her, her daughter and her daughter's children and everybody was excluded. And her entire estate went to shipment, which was 386,000 pounds. <laughs> and everybody um, was like, okay, ass. so yeah, that's fake as shit. Right. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but if you have a whole ass family, you're not leaving your estate to a doctor. Yeah, yeah they were all like, yeah, that's <laughs> fake as shit. Oh my God. And it like... It wasn't written in her mother's hand. He forced her signature badly. Um, And so her daughter, like, obviously was a lawyer and, like, reported it to the police and was like, this is fake as shit. Like, this didn't happen. Um, I didn't think I needed to say this, but now I feel like I need to say this. Um, If you kill somebody, don't change their will so that you get everything. Because that's fucking stupid. Or forge it better. Or... Just no, forge it better. No, we're not encouraging. Okay, no, I'm not encouraging. <laughs> don't but if you're gonna do it, forge it better. Podcast. <laughs> we don't want to talk about you. Don't write it in your shitty guy handwriting. <laughs> we know that it wasn't her. No, it wasn't shitty guy handwriting. It was shitty doctor handwriting. Because as somebody who Even has worse. worked with a multitude of doctors, let me tell you that a requirement to get your PhD is to have shit handwriting that nobody can read. Oh, yeah. When I get my dissertation, they, they told me. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I know you write neat right now, but by the time you're done with your dissertation, we need this to be worse. We just need you to throw <laughs> all of this away. <laughs> um, so her body was exhumed. Okay. Um, you're going to hate this. Um, no, no. But it was found to contain traces of heroin. <laughs> so. Um, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. So uh, diamorphine heroin. Yep. Same thing. No, it um, Yeah. See, okay. So sometimes I didn't actually know this, but I did quite a bit of research after I like found this case and like, it's a thing apparently. Okay. Um, so apparently for like really terminal patients who like, it's like, yeah, they're, they're fucked. They're in mm-hmm. unbearable pain. They're not going to survive this. They'll actually give them heroin because it's such an effective Yeah. It's, drug. um, it's an assisted suicide and it's legal in some states. But well, I mean, they, you, they can also give it to them like in not. Oh, killing like them doses yeah pain. like little bits um, gotcha. because it's like way stronger than regular morphine and it's also that. way cheaper i took that way farther than you did sorry oh yeah <laughs> but no you're you're not wrong yeah. like it yeah, also yeah. is it, one of the main drugs that they use for assisted suicide as well um so shipman tried to say that she was just an addict like she was just like buying mm-hmm. heroin on the streets kind of a thing okay and so he said that he had recorded <laughs> oh, no. he's so dumb um, he said that he had like recorded this. Like he was like, I've been her doctor for a while. Like I knew she was an addict. Like we are trying to work through it. However, <sighs> looking at you guys, learn how to use fucking computers, guys. <laughs> um, what? Wait, when he, that? when he put it in the records, right. Mm-hmm. He, he went back later and was like, okay, past dates. Like she was a heroin addict. The program in the computer kept the dates. That you edit shit like most fucking computer programs. So they were no. like, you dumbass. Like we saw you literally dumbass. just added this. Like oh. we, we can see that. Serial killers are usually so smart and so meticulous, but this guy's really not the brightest crane in the box. He's really not. It's funny though, because like some of them are so... Like, they're so intelligent, but then they'll get caught on, like, the little, like, dumbest things. <laughs> because I think once they get, like, this is actually, like, not just me making this up. Like, this is, like, a thing. No, like, it's a as far thing. as they go, like, when they get farther and farther and, like, they've been so successful, mm-hmm. they start to, 
like get out of control they get cocky they get confident yeah. and they like really let go de-evolve that's the go. word i was looking for they start de-evolving mm-hmm. and so that's i kind of feel like what he did because he was doing okay it's like okay uh but yeah so people think though like there's a couple of theories like why he forged the will because that was the only person he ever forged a will for like this never happened again well i mean that was the last person but it never happened previously to this right um so there's like a theory that he wanted to like retire at 55 and like leave the country. Oh, so he was just trying to like get a bit sum of money and he can just kind of like get out. But like, I mean, he was a doctor who ran his own practice. Okay. First of all, I forgot to mention this. He was the only person who worked at this practice, which is very uncommon. Yeah. That's super weird. Like it's, can you imagine your doctor's office, but there's one doctor. Like there's no one the else there. <laughs> And, uh, like everybody wants to bitch about wait times. Could you imagine that one? Yeah. And so not only was there one doctor, but like actually after this like was done, like they actually outlawed that like in England, like you cannot have single doctor yeah, practices. Why. Um, Maybe actually because you need somebody to check and make sure you're not killing people. This case changed a lot of laws in England. Oh really? Like a lot. Um, so yeah, so there's also there's a book called Prescription for Murder. Okay. Um, like I said, I read that <laughs> clinical audit, so I wasn't about to read a whole nother book about this. Um, but that book goes into a lot of like the theories of why. Because there also was another theory that like he wanted to get caught. Okay. Like he was kind of like at the end of his rope. Yeah. Which I mean I can kind of see because he had had like several like close slides in the past. Like he was really close to getting caught like several times. And I think he couldn't stop himself, mm-hmm. but he knew that he was going to get caught. Okay. So I don't really know. Honestly, I kind of think he was just greedy and I think yeah. he just kind of felt invincible because when we get to the actual body count, you'll understand why he felt invincible. Okay. Oh my God. Um, so he was arrested on September 7th of 1998 okay. and <sighs> at his house, they found the typewriter <laughs> that he wrote the fake will on. Which, in case you didn't know this, um, don't write things on typewriters, like actual typewriters, because... It, it imprints, doesn't it? Well, not only that, but they, um, they're, like, identifiable. Because usually, like, each one, like, they're not perfect. It's not, mm-hmm. like, computers or whatever. Like, each one has, like, little certain flaws like on quirks. specific keys. Yeah, and, like, little quirks. So, like, it's pretty easy for them to just take it, type the letter, and then compare the two. <gasps> Dumb asses. Oh, I know. Um, so then, obviously, they were like, uh, I think we need to look into the other deaths. Like, yeah. this might be weird. And then they found a pattern. And uh, that pattern was just injecting shit tons of heroin okay. into elderly women. Yikes. And then not reviving them, like I said. And then falsifying their records to say that they'd been unhealthy when most of them were actually it was, like, kind of a mix. It seems like it was kind of half and half, like, reading the audit. Like, half of them had, like, had, like, a stroke, heart attack, yeah. something. And then he kind of used that as an excuse, and the other half were just healthy. Okay. And he just injected them with tons of heroin. So. That's, uh, oh, God. <sighs> so his trial began October 5th of 1999, and he was only charged with 15 murders. And then also forging the will. Okay. Um. And they only charged him with crimes between 1995 and 1998. I don't know if you remember, but his first uh, suspected crime was back in 1971. Yep. There's there's that ball that I was waiting for, for it to drop. There it was. Yeah. So January 31st of 2000, not that long ago, 
Um, the jury deliberated for six days. What? Six days, somehow. How? Uh, I have no idea. I feel idea. like that should have just been like a, yeah, nope, done, done, done. Yeah, so after six days, they found him guilty on 15 counts of murder and one of fraud. And they just, okay, so like on the stand, he would just lie. Okay. Constantly. Like one day they'd be like, what did you do? And he'd be like, I did this, this, and this. And the next day they'd be like, what did you do? And he'd be like, I did this, this, and this. And you're like, you said something completely different yesterday. And he'd be like, mm. <laughs> like he just did not care. Like oh he gave zero God. fucks. Like he was just like, make up whatever story I feel like at the moment. Doesn't, doesn't matter. What a jackass. Um, so not only did they find him guilty of 15 counts of murder and one of fraud, they okay. literally put in like a thing and it was like, we have a recommendation that he's never released. Okay. Which is like not that common because yeah. usually that's up to like the judge to be like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't think. usually like let you parole after like a couple days. Yeah. No, they put in like a special piece of paper that were like, we wrote this letter about like how he should never, ever, <laughs> ever, never, ever be in the public again. Ever. Yeah. Um, so February 11th of 2000, the General Medical Council officially took him off their register. So he killed his first victim in 1971. Okay. If not earlier. They did not take him off of their medical register until February 11th of 2000. Oh my God. This is after a drug addiction. Yeah. Forging prescriptions. Yep. 15 murder counts and, and like being brought to the police count. several times yeah. in this time frame. England, get your shit together. Yeah. So the, the home secretary, which is like kind of a big guy in parliament, um, mm-hmm. he officially approved the like never getting out thing. Gave that a big old seal <laughs> of approval. <laughs> so they were like, we're not going to try him for the other crimes. Okay. Cause like, what's the point? Right. Like he's I mean, never he's getting never out right anyways. Now. Um, so Sherman denied his guilt. Even though they were like, we have all of the evidence. Like, you are a doctor. We have all of the scientific evidence that you did this. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, well. (laughs) Big old shruggeroo. Like, I don't care. So he never, ever, not once, ever made a public statement. Mm -hmm. He has never said anything. He's always denied it. And his wife has always maintained his innocence. What a pretentious asshole, for starters. And, like... I will never understand the psychology of women that stick with serial killers. Like, I know we've talked about this multiple times, but just because we've talked about it and researched it does not mean I'm ever going to understand why people will, like, look at their significant other and be like, you know, they have all of this proof that you are a shit human being, but you know what? I'm going to stick with you. Like, what? Yeah, no. I don't. I don't Get understand. Get out of there. <laughs> Um, so he was actually the only doctor in the entire history of British medicine that's ever been found killing their patients. Ever. Okay. The only one. I mean, I feel like that can go one of two ways. Like either England strapped the fuck down and nobody can get away with it now, or he's just the only one that got caught. I specifically wrote, that's so funny that you say that because I specifically wrote, where did it go? It says, this isn't an A. Americans are so much worse thing, but uh, the British system fucking sucks. (laughs) (laughs) We are two people with the same brain. (laughs) Um, Okay, so his death. He died. Oh, good. 
January 13th of 2004. <laughs> Almost a birthday twin and a death twin. Um, You're not dead yet. Well, Let's just point that out. It's a death birthday. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Close <laughs> enough. Um, So it was in his in the Wakefield prison okay. in his cell at 6.20 a.m. is when he was declared dead. Uh-huh. Was he stabbed? Please tell me he was stabbed. Try again. He had a heart attack. Mm-mm. Try again. Strangled? You were really close. Uh, he hung himself from a cell window with bed sheets. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> still a th- it's still a throat thing. <laughs> you were cl- close. It's technically strangulation. <laughs> technically. Okay. We're um, going to hell. <laughs> so the victim's families Yikes. were pissed, understandably, because they were like, yeah. that's bullshit. I mean, you were supposed to be alive in him. prison yeah. and you fucking killed yourself. Because it was I mean, literally. I get that. Like four, four years. Yeah. After. Are you shitting me? Yeah, it was just like four. He was only four years into his term <sighs> when he hung himself. Um, and That's such garbage. Yeah. yeah, so the victim's families like wrote petitions to like improve <laughs> mental health help in prisons. Um, which, I mean. Funny enough. Yes, like, but no. I support it, but like I don't know if I was mad that he killed himself. I don't think I would have been like, I, I think I wanted say, him to get therapy and feel better. I support it, but I feel like they're supporting it for the wrong reasons. reasons yeah so then they also petitioned to change whole life sentencing which is what he got okay um to call this thing called indefinite sentencing oh. where you just like you never know when you might be released because okay. then it gives this is actually really fucked up in like a weird sense of the way um they change it to indefinite sentencing because it gives prisoners hope that they might eventually get released. So they don't kill themselves. So they don't kill themselves, but they're oh. never going to get released. So it's like a fucked up way to like force them into serving out their whole term. It's not like anything to do with actually helping them oh, or their mental health. A lot of mixed emotions about that. As someone oh. whose main focus and dissertation is literally on mental health yeah. for inmates. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Like, you should never be tricking someone into mental health help for, to, to like, punish them. Yeah. Like, there's so many layers of fucked up in that. I hate that. Yeah, I still don't even know how to dissect that. And I've, like, obviously studied this pretty extensively. Wow. They actually, his suicide was never explained. Like, he never left a note. No one really knows why he did it. Um, but he did tell his probation officer. Um, it's weird that he had a probation officer, but he was, like, in prison. Yeah, that's a weird... But I think it kind of, like, looking into it, it's kind of like... It sounds like kind of like kind of like a probation officer here, but, like, you're in prison. So, like, it's someone you check in with periodically that kind of, like... That makes it sound like more of, like, a social worker. Yeah, it, it, that's kind of what it seemed like okay. from what I was reading. That's interesting. Um, that he told his probation officer anyways that it was to secure his wife's financial security because okay so if he would have lived past 60 they would have taken all of his pension like there's like this weird like law but if he would have lived past no, 60 they would exactly have yeah, taken his pension about. so he killed himself early so supposedly so his wife could and oh, because he had a very sizable pension i mean he owned his own general practice for like mm. 10 15 years um I mean, good on you for looking out for your wife, but you're still a garbage human being. But 
I don't know but, if I believe that. But. I think that might have played a role in it, but Primrose seemed to be doubting his innocence by this point. Uh-huh. Because she wrote him a letter. Okay, so he, like, refused to confess. Like, even after he was in prison, like, they were still pressing him to confess. Okay. And he was like, no. no. <laughs> so they took away all his phone privileges. So he had no way to, like, speak to his wife anymore. Because okay. they took away his phone and, like, his, like, visiting privileges. Yeah. But Primrose sent him a letter, and it pretty much just said... Tell me everything, no matter what. Okay. And that's the last correspondence we know. So maybe he was, like, paying her off to believe in his innocence? I think he genuinely... I actually think he genuinely cared about her. I think he genuinely, like... I think the financial security had a lot of it, and I think he couldn't face... Because in his mind, he was helping these people. Yeah. He was not hurting them. He was helping them. But, like, obviously his wife wouldn't see it that way Mm -hmm. she'd be like yeah you murdered a fuck ton of people (laughs) like so i think it was kind of a way for him to like maintain his innocence to the end yeah and also help her i wish he had gotten like in prison psychiatry because i just want to be like i want the documentation of that like i want to know what was going on in his head also this is a little side note, but this could also play into why he killed himself. I don't know if you know this, because, like, weirdly, a lot of people don't know this. Okay. It costs money to be in prison. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. like, they're constantly, like, they charge you for, like, the food, mm-hmm. the board, and everything, and, like, they take that they have to from your money. Yeah, you have to, like, repay it back to them or something. Like, yeah. yeah, like, you're supposed you're to be about. paying, and, like, it's actually advantageous, like, if you know... You're going to go to prison. I didn't tell you this. You didn't hear this from me. Um, To (laughs) gift all of your money to someone you trust to keep it safe because then they can't touch it. Oh. And they can't. Because, okay, so if you don't have money, like, they're not going to put you in debt. Right. Like, if you don't have money, you just don't have money. Like, that's fine. Like, you're never going to have to pay that back. But if you do have money, they'll take everything you have. Oh. So it's actually advantageous to, like, Like, get rid of all of your money before you go to prison. So it could also be, like, they were taking a lot of money Nobody from him this, and from their family. Yeah, so he and was, he was like, like trying to Cuz after 4 years, like that, that would already be a significant amount of money. So he yeah. was like Donzo. Huh, that's really interesting. Um so okay, so in January of 2001, mm-hmm. they did further investigation cuz they were like, okay, I get it, like we're not going to try him, but like we need to know what happened. Yeah. So they launched a thing called the Shipment Inquiry, okay. which is essentially what I read the was the clinical read, yeah. audit. Yeah. Um, so they concluded, are you ready for this? Yep. Nope. Yep. (laughs) He had killed at least 215 (gasps) people over his career. Shut the fuck up. On the low end. That's on, that's like the lowest bear estimate is that he killed 215 Um, people. I'm sorry. What? And the judge even publicly admitted at his sentencing that there were scores more deaths that were suspicious. Shut That they just up. couldn't 100% prove. Those are the ones they could 100% prove. Like, there was, like, a ton more. There's an estimate... Um, shit. An estimation that the accurate number is 459. No. What? Yeah. I think you just put me into a state of shock. I don't even know what to say. Which, to be fair, each year he did have actually way more patients than an average doctor, and he did see about 3,000 patients a year. So, to be fair, from all the patients he was seeing, that's actually a very low number of patients. You don't get to justify this at all. (laughs) 
That's so insane. Oh, it's not. We're not done. We're, we're, we're not, not done. done? No. Um, we're gonna. <laughs> Uh, so in 2005, it came to the attention of the police, oh, no. b- by Primrose actually, um, that Shipman had stole jewelry from families of the victims. What? She found over 10,000 pounds worth of jewelry that wasn't hers. That so she was like, she like had found it. I think it was like in the attic or something. It was like sequestered away where she wouldn't like find it, kind yeah. of a thing. And she found it, and she immediately was like, "This is not mine." And she took it immediately to the police because she's an actual good citizen. <laughs> um, and they returned. It was kind of nice, actually. So they returned the jewelry that they could identify, which actually wasn't a lot because they. Yeah. It was kind of dumb. The, the, it made sense. Like they, they required tried. the families to like provide evidence. So like either receipts or like pictures of them wearing the jewelry. Yeah. Which like I know for me, I have like no pictures of me wearing any of my jewelry so like i would have been screwed but like the rest of it they auctioned off and it went to like i I, if i remember it it went to like helping the victims families oh okay so like they still did good things with the jewelry um so like obviously this changed the way that like british doctor policies worked Mm -hmm. um they started like changing the way they prescribed pain meds okay um obviously so not only could doctors not abuse it mm-hmm. as much but like patients couldn't abuse it as much so like that's a good thing yeah um like i said they also made it where you can't have single doctor practices which also good. a good thing <laughs> um and they also changed the way that they did death certificate practices so like you had to have okay. a lot much like more evidence like more people had to check out the body like it wasn't just one doctor being like yep this is what happened go cremate that body real quick right um so before I get into what happened to his body. Oh, my. How are we not done yet? <laughs> yeah, he had a lot. Okay. <sighs> so this is just a little excerpt from his, uh, like, clinical audit. Okay. So he actually, over the course of his career, he issued 521 death certificates. Okay. Um, so the highest number issued by a practitioner... In that time period, like, the highest person they could find in England was only 210. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was rough. It was, Christ it was a lot. Almighty. And all of them were, okay, so the greatest was females age 75 or above. Okay. Second highest was females 65 to 74. Okay. And then the third highest was males above 75. So it was pretty much like. Yeah. I mean, kind of the same MO. Yeah. And then they said, like, you know, the most was when he was a general practitioner. Um, so back to his body real fast. We're almost done. I promise. <laughs> um, no one knows where it is. Well, I'm sorry. You fucking what? No one knows. Um, Do you want to run that by me again? Some think it's in the Sheffield morgue. Uh, some think that his family still has custody because they think he was actually murdered and they wanted to do tests. Um, but yeah, no one has any idea. Like the family's never come forward and said they had it. This is like sister which I mean all over again. Which Primrose seems like a pretty, like a good yeah. citizen. So I feel like if she had his body, she would have said something. Like she would have been like, "Yeah, we were." you know holding on to it so like he was never buried as far as we know 
Um, so his body might just be chilling in a morgue somewhere, probably pretty fucking desiccated since okay. he died 15 years ago. Again, I didn't think I needed to say this, but now that this is our second case where the remains have gone missing, <laughs> I'm going to say this. Lawmakers, policemen, morgues, chain of custody. <laughs> Keep track of your fucking bodies. I, like, I genuinely Stop don't understand. losing people's remains. That Just was 2004. Stop. Like, there's no excuse. That was 2004. That was 15 years ago. Oh, my God. How do you not know? Ew, can we talk about how that was 15 years ago? That's, I know. I don't so appreciate gross. that. And also, is it sad that British policies literally just changed, <laughs> like, 15 years ago? Yeah, that's... Okay. They've been just running like crazy people. I'm going to circle back to this. And for our you now friends, if there's anybody from England who's watching, I'm so sorry. This is not a personal attack at you. But England, get your shit together. Yeah, seriously. What, what's happening? <laughs> I'm genuinely confused. Oh please, my God. please tell me what's happening. Though, to be fair, like I said, no doctor had ever been caught killing their patients. So, like, as far as they were aware... This wasn't a thing to worry about. There yeah. wasn't a problem. However, I do know for a fact that there is an opiate, like an opioid problem. I feel like every first world country is an opioid problem right yeah, now. Yeah, like, but I know for a fact that there's one in England. So, yeah. like, why were you not doing things to, like, control people? Right. Like, why weren't like, you working on that? Also, they have never explained, like, no one knows how he got all his, like, diamorphine. Like, no one knows where all the heroin came from. Like, no one knows if it was, like, prescription or if he was, Mexico. like, buying it off the streets. <laughs> but, like, black tar heroin is different than, than like, diamorphine. diamorphine. Yeah. But, I like, know. you think they would be, like, he, I mean, he killed, like, possibly 459 people. Like, that's enough that you think people would be, like. Yeah. Like, you're going through a weird amount of morphine, dude. Yeah. Like, where? Hmm. And that. Especially because, like I said, like, most of these people were, like, in good health. Right. So, like, there wasn't an excuse so for him no to, like, for get them to randomly code. it. Yeah. Like, <sighs> so they've never explained that. And I, like, read 165 pages and, like, still and no one can nothing. tell me what happened. And I'm very confused. And it seems like there's some giant problems there. Which yeah. <laughs> hopefully have been addressed this at this point. This is why if you work in a medical field, you have to go through so many channels to get opioids to your patient as it should be <laughs> as it should be oh my god because i could go on and on about that all day but yeah. like that's insane guys what the hell that was a roller coaster yeah i knew you i, mean, I was <laughs> not right but like he looks so nice yeah he like he's such a dapper looking gentleman I'm just yeah, gonna no, for show you, you now, now people like he's such a dapper looking gentleman yeah, he's just a friendly old he man. He was not if, a dapper gentleman. But if this doctor was like, yeah, you need pain meds, I'd be like... Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're probably right. Are you finally done? I'm finally done. <laughs> I'm done making you suffer. So then we'll now. wrap this up. Um, I mean, you guys know the drill. Social media. Facebook is bitches and murders. So is YouTube. So, so is, is YouTube. Apple Podcasts. So is Spotify. Yeah. Um, so is Patreon. I will Please give us money. Back to you <laughs> on what you now is. Because, like, it it didn't like the word bitches. And so it, like, freaked the hell out. And I'm not sure how to find us on you now. But, like, it looks like people have found us somehow. So uh, it's Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> we might have to, like, just change the name or something. Like, BMM. Yeah. I tried, but, like... 
I was just I, yeah, mad. We'll figure it out. Anyway. We'll figure it out. Um, Instagram, Bitches and Murders Podcast. Send us an email at bandmurderspodcast at gmail.com. Twitter is and murders. Just I think we got all of the social media. Facebook. I think that was all. Yeah, of we did cool. all of the things. Follow us on all of the things. All of the things. Talk to us on all of the things. Be our friends. Yeah, seriously. We love people for the yeah. most part. Yeah, I mean, I hate everybody, but, like, I love people. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. Be my friend. If you guys listen to us, we love you guys. Also, everybody outside of that, go fuck yourself. <laughs> important, for real, if you don't kidding, listen to us. Kidding, 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 fuck kidding, off. kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, <laughs> also, side note, um, for Apple and Spotify mm-hmm. and also YouTube. Oh, is this a stupid algorithm thing? Yeah, so for, like, the algorithms, and also I think this kind of applies on Facebook as well. Um, I think so. Like, engagement is what brings you up. So, like, it doesn't matter. You could listen to us a thousand times. But, like, if you don't engage with it, it doesn't matter. So, like, if you rate, leave us reviews, leave us comments, likes, shares, any sort of engagement. Do all the You know what's up with that. Do it. All of your friends want to hear us, too. And you know. Yeah. You know. Bring us your spooky friends. We love love all all of them. Bring us your spooky friends. They'll enjoy this. Let's bring us your non-spooky friends. They'll be terrified, but yeah, you know, we'll make. I'll still enjoy myself. <laughs> so yeah, you guys know the drill. Stay spooky. Keep it spooky, but not so spooky that you kill people with heroin. Goodbye. Yeah, no more heroin. Come on, stop it. <laughs>